God. You are the Son of Man, as you are God the Son. We uh, ask today that our eyes would be open to see you more clearly, and our ears would be attuned to hear you, and that your kingdom would come, your will would be done. And everything we say and do, Lord, we clear our hearts and minds of the distractions, Lord, and we say yes to you, God. To you be the glory, be the honor, and be the praise in Jesus. Holy and precious name we play. Pray. Amen. We play. In Jesus' name we play. Good to see you today. You need to pay. How are you this morning? Doing well? Yes? Good. Good. Get over here on the BC side. Yeah. Get over here on the downtown side. Good right here in the middle. Well, it's good to, to join the privilege to be here today. I hope you're having a good day. Uh, thank you so much, Becca and the band. I see that Becky is on the back seat. Oh, yeah, let's hear it for Becca and the band. Let's hear it for Amy Sinise stepping up and being our new uh, prayer coordinator. We're excited about her. very appropriate that she mentioned that today. I'm going to be talking about the subject of prayer. Uh, I'm also very thankful to Becky Zukowskis, our worship coordinator, is on the back row there. And I'm glad to be As we spoke last week, uh, uh, something called Addison's uh, that uh, you've been dealing with, some uh, type of uh, malady, but God is healing your body. How are your sodium levels today? Pretty good. They're doing good. All right. Good. Well, we're looking forward to having you back. But what a joy. Isn't it great? We have such wonderful worship leaders here to lead us in the presence of Jesus. Well, I want to encourage each and every one of you today that you are here by design. You may or may not have felt like God designed for you to be here, but you are here by design. God, the God of all the universe, has ordained for you to be in this room today. And the reason is not so that he can condemn you, but so that he can draw you to him, so that he can free you, uh, so that the fears that have bound you would be broken from you, so that the, the despair that at times uh, uh, can overwhelm us would uh, be changed to joy. And so that wherever the enemy, the devil, would have tried to steal from our lives, that God would a fullness. My name is Jeff Yankee. I'm lead pastor here at Community of Faith. It's a privilege and a joy to have you here. As I've said many times, welcome home. If this is your first time or your thousandth time, we hope that you find it as a home, as a family. Not a perfect family, but a family, uh, nonetheless, that wants to love God and to love you well and to be able to love, the, uh, love our world around us with effectivity and joy. Um, we are in the final week of our series, uh, the final week that I speak, uh, the week after Easter, we're going to have a um, couple of testimonies from this series and what God spoke to you, you guys and gals. But we're in the final week of a series called The Jesus Way. Has anybody uh, enjoyed that thus far? Learning about The Jesus Way? Well, we're going to be learning about it for the rest of our lives. But we're looking at, again, John chapter 13 through John chapter 17, which is known as the Farewell Discourses. 
Jesus has as Rob was leading us to, and thank you for that, in our communion time, uh, a meditation upon the fact of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a colt, the fall of donkey, in a gentle and a humble way. Jesus came into Jerusalem, uh, and he came into Jerusalem knowing that he was going to be uh, killed for the sake of mankind and for redeeming mankind to himself. So these farewell discourses, starting with John chapter 13, where Jesus is around the table with his disciples, and uh, then on what he shares in 14, 15, 16, and 17, when Jesus is sharing some of the last words that he would share before he suffered, died, and rose again. And again, what Jesus says anytime, the God of all gods, whatever he says, matters. Right? Matthew chapter 6. And set the the, um, the Sermon on the Mount extremely important, and and everything that Jesus said was was vital and valuable. But here he is speaking to a close group of his disciples, and he's sharing with them his ways, the Jesus way. You see, Moses, the leader of Israel, knew um, knew God's ways. The people of Israel simply knew his acts. God did wonderful things, and all of Israel, all of God's people that were delivered, saw God's acts. What were some of the acts they saw? Anybody want to know, uh, tell me in the book of Exodus? Ten things, what were they called? Plagues upon the Egyptians. Thank you. Good job. <laughs> Ten plagues. They saw the acts. The, the Red Sea being parted, and the whole of Israel going through. Incredible act that Miriam and the women around her uh, began to sing on the other side of the, um, the, the Red Sea. Uh, everybody was rejoicing over God's acts. But clearly the scripture says not everybody that saw God's acts knew his ways. Not everyone that saw what he did knew why he did what he did. But those that were true followers of Jesus, just as Moses was, would know his ways. You see, God wants you to see his acts. But he desires and longs for you to know his ways. These are the people that will change the course of history. Those that know the ways of God. Jesus had been going around for three years in uh, Judea, uh, Judea, whatever you want to say. He'd been going around doing many acts. He'd been healing the sick. He'd been raising the dead. He'd been cleansing the lepers. He'd been driving out demons. And these were acts. But here Jesus is gathering his, his, his disciples to himself. And he's sharing his ways. And what God wants for you and I today is to be a people who rejoice in his mighty and marvelous acts as the psalmist. So many of those in the psalmists state. But to be those that don't just depend upon knowing his acts, but those who draw near to him and know his ways. Do you want to know the ways of God today? I pray that if you want to know His ways, you'll come to know it. And if you don't want to know His ways, there'll be a hunger and a desire put in your heart for Him. So we've looked in John chapter 13 through John chapter 16 thus far at some of the ways of Jesus. What are some of those ways? John chapter 13, the way of... Just checking you out. What was Jesus doing? Servanthood. The way of servanthood, Jesus would explain. John... Chapter 14, the way of obedience. If you love me, you will obey my commands. John chapter 15, the way of fruit bearing. You can do nothing apart from me if you abide in me, if you remain in me, and me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. And then last week we spoke about the way of the Spirit. 
Jesus explained that I'm going away, right? It's a very imminent departure, but I'm sending the Spirit to you, and He will guide you into all truth and teach you, uh, and He will take what is mine that the Father's can make it known to you. So Jesus has spoken about the way of the Spirit. Today we're going to look at John chapter 17, and we're going to look at the Jesus way of prayer. You know, I spoke about my mom last week and her relationship with the Holy Spirit. Emma Bianchi, all five foot one and one quarter maybe at this time of her. Uh, every bit of that frame of hers is in love with Jesus. She is a crazy woman for Jesus. She's not crazy, but she's crazy about Him. And uh, I remember uh, as well, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my mom when I spoke about prayer. My mom... Uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit is an intercessor, someone that asks God, someone that goes between God and man, right? She prays of, of, the, uh, uh, in, of an incredible caliber. She's not that because she's trying to be something special, but she has a heart for God, a huge heart for God, and she wants to love Him. And I saw this example throughout my life. My mother has prayed me out of a number of jams in my life. I can tell you I got myself into a lot of them when I was in my fraternity uh, in college, and uh, I got myself into a lot more uh, in, uh, in other ways. But she also has prayed me into a few jams in God. She's prayed me into a few situations that were beyond my own ability. In the 40 nations that I've been able to travel to, I have a feeling that my mom's prayers led the way for me to go and be stretched way beyond my abilities in Afghanistan in 1998 under the Taliban. Way beyond my abilities in Iraq. Way beyond my abilities, you, you name it, you know, throughout the Middle East and places that, uh, that uh, just blew me away. In 1990, the first place I ever went to Thailand. Anybody up there been there? Yes. Oh yes, Audrey was there. Uh, in 1990, just walking the streets, seeing, I know it's changed a lot in the last 20, 25 years, but seeing all of the, the incredible losses of humanity and, and actually seeing lepers and, and seeing things I've never seen before. She prayed me into a few of those things uh, because God wants to take us out of our comfort zone to put us in His power zone of grace and goodness and life. You see, when we're in our comfort zone doing whatever we want to do, then power is little. But when we're out of our own comfort zone, and we're pushed beyond our own abilities, that's where we, we see God be who He is. And my mom, she just, uh, she, she gave herself to God in prayer. Not because she felt that she had to pray, pray to be accepted by God, but because her heart overflowed with love for Jesus. And she had a heart to know that others knew that love. I would wake up in the middle of the night sometimes. You ever have to wake up? When you're my age, you wake up more often in the night having to go to the bathroom. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, I remember get up in the middle of the night. And now I actually get up because of my kids. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but uh, anyway, moving right along. Uh, 4 a.m. was pretty much the middle of the night to me. You know, when I was a teenager, it was morning. Yeah, I'd just gone to the it was still the day before. But I'd wake up for some reason at 4 a.m. or sometimes when I was in college and was not walking in a great way. Uh, I'd come in at 4. You ever had some of those? Uh, and my mom would be up reading the Bible praying. And I'd be like, oh my goodness, well, what in the world are you doing? 
Uh, she would, uh, she would, um, I've seen her as she carried someone or some situation in her heart so deeply and cared and was deeply affected. I've heard her cry out in prayer and felt that it was a holy moment uh, as she um, was asking for others. She once took time off work and uh, she prayed eight hours a day for three days in a row for my sister for some exams that she was taking in school. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm not saying this uh, to build up my mom, because sometimes when I tell you these things, it depresses you. It doesn't encourage you, because you're like, well, she's praying eight hours, I can't pray eight seconds. <laughs> but this is a direct result of the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Now, we don't become giants in prayer overnight. We don't. Um, very few do, maybe is the way I'd say it. I won't put it past God. But it can and will build in our lives an attitude of prayer. And it must build. I want to say that today. If we're to live the obedient life in God and to walk in Him and His commands in our way, in our lives, we are learning to obey God in the daily intricacies of life and prayer. Though um, prayer is work, it's not, um, it's not to be um, unnecessarily burdensome. Even though it is work, it's not necessarily unburdensome, but a joyful uh, release and surrender to God on a regular basis. So we're going to look today at the Jesus way of prayer. And I want your ears to be attuned today because I think a lot of things we're believing for in our church, in our group of churches, Community of Faith International, Church Network, and what we're believing for in our city of Boston is absolutely and directly tied to prayer. God has been putting His loving finger upon my heart and saying, uh, do you really want my kingdom to come, my will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? Well, how do you get heaven to earth? Prayer. Through prayer. Through people building a highway of prayer to earth and seeing the kingdom of God come. So let's move forward into... Um, into uh, looking at the life of Jesus. Before we look at John 17, I want to just explain some ways in Jesus' life that he had authority in the subject. The first reason is he's God, okay? He has authority. But I want to look at his life as a man and just explain to you a few ways that Jesus exhibited prayer and how he's calling us to a life that is full of life-giving prayer. Jesus spent 40 days fasting and praying in the wilderness before he began his earthly ministry. Jesus was uh, baptized by his cousin John, right, in the Jordan, comes up, the uh, what appeared to be a dove comes upon him, the Father's voice from heaven says, here is my son whom I am well pleased in with, I'm sorry, well pleased with, and he sends him out into the desert. Now that's interesting. If you're in the desert today, realize he is pleased with you. You're not that desert because he's displeased. But Jesus was out in the desert for 40 days fasting and praying and calling out to God, even before he took on his earthly ministry. If anyone could have assumed, I got what it takes, God in a man's body could have thought that. But now Jesus prayed for 40 days and he fasted. Jesus went out numerous times early. If you look throughout Scripture and you look in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the four accounts of his life. If you look there, Jesus went out various times early in the morning to pray. You know, I don't know what the guys were doing, but, you know, they were probably goosing around around the campfire late at night, having a good time, playing jokes on each other. And Jesus probably a part of it. Yes, a part of it. Uh, in, in all holiness. <laughs> 
Um, I would guess a few went over the bounds sometimes. Just had no part of that. But the, you know, the disciples, they were out and about. And Jesus, I don't care how late he stayed up with them, he was up early seeking his father. He sacrificed. But Jesus got up early, he went to the quiet place. And he spent time with his father for prayer. And in prayer, Jesus sent his disciples to the other side of the lake after a full day of ministry. If you remember this one? And he was alone with his father. He went back. Jesus not only prayed before he was ministering, but he enfolded his prayer afterwards with reflection and with thanksgiving and strengthening of his heart. He sent his disciples and said, you guys go across the lake. I'm just going to walk over the water later. He didn't tell them that at that time. But Jesus stayed himself to prayer. Jesus spent the night in prayer before he called his disciples to him by name. Now I'm telling you this, he just came out of the desert. He just overcome uh, the devil. Three major temptations that we would all deal with, that we failed miserably at. Jesus overcame through the word of God in the desert. Well, I mean, why didn't he just walk out of the desert and the power of God was upon him? Call to you. Jesus, call us aside. He said, no. I'm going to commune with my father. He spent the night in prayer, even after he had passed the test, so to speak, in the desert. He spent the night in prayer. His father got up, called his disciples to him by name. And by name means he got discernment from the Spirit of God. For some reason, it's not all understandable to our human minds, Jesus was God, but was allowed himself to be limited in certain things of knowledge on earth, he didn't tap into, let's put it that way, that portion of who he was at times. He allowed himself to, as a man, overcome and hear from his Father, though he has all omnipotent power. But Jesus spent the night in prayer before he called out the disciples to him by name. Jesus spent an hour in prayer in Gethsemane, surrendering his life to the Father's will before he was arrested by the soldiers and Pilate for judgment. He was rested. Jesus had entered Jerusalem. He had washed the feet of his disciples. He had prayed the great high priestly prayer over his disciples that we're going to look at today. And then he went into Gethsemane though and he surrendered again and prayed for an hour at least. He was praying three times, it says he said the same thing to his father. He was calling out. And he said to his disciples, guys, cannot you pray with me? Can you not tarry with me for one hour? Peter and John went to lay down to take a nap. They didn't go to pray like the song says. They were laying down sleeping. And Jesus was up and, and he was on his face praying. And he said, yet not what I will, Father, but what you will. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus went and saw his betrayers. He was ready. He said, the time has come. Not ready. Jesus was never not ready as a man. He was always ready because he was a man of prayer. We see that Jesus gave himself to prayer. Not in order to be accepted by his father. But out of an overwhelming joy of relationship with his father. And an overwhelming burden to see heaven Come to earth. You ready to look at the scriptures today? Amen. Let's start in John chapter 17, verses 1 through 3. We're going to look at Jesus here. 
And Jesus is praying for his disciples. He's giving us a template. This is the Jesus way of prayer. Quick template. Look at the Lord. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. I love him. He's so good. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You see, the Jesus way of prayer, we can see from this scripture, is to the Father. The Jesus way of prayer is to the Father. Jesus was not speaking merely or not speaking only to royalty, right? He was speaking to the King, the Lord of all the earth, His Father. But He was not speaking just from that aspect. He was speaking to His Father in heaven. There was an intimate, familial relationship with His Father. And He was crying out. He didn't just say Father to say Father. He said Father because He had an intimate relationship with His God. When Jesus spoke all throughout the New Testament, throughout the Gospels of His Father... What he was explaining to people is he's no longer the God out there. He's the God right here. He's the God with us. He is my Father. You see, as believers in Jesus, we've been restored in our relationship with God the Father. We've been restored by Jesus into that relationship with the Father. Not because the Father was, um, was angry and Jesus, you know, was nice. But because the Father and the Son determined that they would rescue mankind together and bring them back into relationship. But without a relationship with our Father, identity doesn't make sense. He is our identity. And Jesus was praying out of an identity as a son of God. When sons and daughters have a right relationship with their Father, it is intimate and it is personal. I ask you again today... Do you realize that you have been united to an intimate relationship with God? When you repent of your sins, you say, I turn away from my sins and I turn to you, God. Do you realize that you're cleansed of all sin, past, present, and future? You are endued with power not to sin anymore, for that's what grace really is. Not license to sin, but power not to sin. But you are given a new heart, a new mind, and the same love with which the Father loves Jesus is now placed upon you. It blows your mind. It can't be right. It's too good a deal. Jesus will always have first place. But you and I also are sons and daughters of our Father. And He loves us with that intensity. Jesus, when, when we, Jesus prayed to the Father, and I encourage you today, pray to your Father in heaven. Jesus prayed intimately and persistently. Intimate. My sons speak to me intimately. Sometimes they say things like this. My son Jake, my younger one, who's up here taking communion today, waiting in the world. He says to me, Dad, you're the best dad. Well, I mean, what else? Let's go home to glory. <laughs> I know I'm not always the best dad, but he thinks it. Dad, you're the best dad. He's very intimate with me. My sons, when my son and daughter have a right relationship with me, it is very intimate. Um, and they're not afraid to approach me. And they know that I know what's best for them. 
Even me and my purpose, they're not afraid to approach me. They don't run away from me. Sometimes they know maybe the discipline's coming, they might for a moment. But they don't run away from me, they run to me. I decree over you to run to your father and not run away from him when you sin. To run to your father, not away from him when you're afraid of what he might tell you to do that you feel like he doesn't want you to... to uh, you're afraid that he's going to tell you that you are not allowed to ever get married. You're not allowed to ever do anything fun. You're going to go to Zimbabwe and... Uh, or Zimbabwe's great. Um, you're going to go somewhere... If the Father tells you to do something and tells you not to do something, it is okay because He is with you and His presence is like nothing ever, 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 ever in any way. It is worth it to be with Him. He is your Father. So it's intimate. It's also persistent. My sons are so persistent. When they want something, you know. I mean, Jude will do it. But I'm just going to go back to my other son, my second son. He will wear you down. That boy will wear you down. Can I have some gum? Can I have some gum? Dad, can I have some gum? Can I have some gum? Dad, can I have some gum? You know. You know. No, you're not going to have the gum. Can I have some gum? And obviously we could. Uh, there, there's a point where he needs to not do that. But. <laughs> but. Jude. My, my, my number one son. He had this picture of. Uh, 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 a Lego airplane. A big Lego airplane. If you've been to our house, you've seen it. I mean, he would consistently... Hey, Dad, I'll show you This little... This little like, Lego puts out these magazines that are giving you sons and daughters to make you buy more stuff. But anyway, he was like, Hey, Dad, you see this airplane? I like it. You know, next day. Hey, Dad, you see this airplane? I really want that. I like that. I want that. Hey, Dad, you see this... You know, and then he has the audacity. I tell him, we don't have the money. He has the audacity to go to the father. <laughs> At lunch. He prays to the Father, and a friend of ours comes in town that, that buys it for him. <laughs> so now he's working me again, Dad. This firehouse. I really like this firehouse. That plane's not that cool. Firehouse. Plane is okay. Intimacy and persistence. But you know that intimacy is. You should really have an understanding that your father, the pleasure of the father is upon you as you've asked for forgiveness in Jesus Christ. He may not be pleased with your actions, but he's pleased with you to the core of your being. And that'll set you free. If you know how pleased he is with you, sin seems stupid. It just doesn't make sense anymore. Not this, how much can I get away with? How much and how close can I go with my father? And then man, life is a spiritual smorgasbord. Because you're not bound by anything. You're set free by him. The second way, the Jesus way of prayer, let's look at John 17, 4 through 8. says here, I, Jesus speaking, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Thank you for doing it, Jesus. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. 
The Jesus way of prayer is to the Father. The Jesus way of prayer is for God's glory. It's for God's glory. That is the Jesus way of prayer. Jesus did not pray. Let me, let me see. I'm sorry. Jesus was not treating prayer as a divine vending uh, uh, machine. You know? Hey, my name is Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. You know, however that works. No, he wasn't just saying, God, give me this, 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 give me this. Now, you know what? That's contained within God's glory. Did you know that? Within God's glory is every need of yours. Jesus gave the example in the Lord's Prayer um, uh, for every one of our needs to be met and that we can ask for our needs to be met. He knows. Ask Him for your daily bread. Ask Him for provision. Ask Him for your needs. Ask Him for your family. But don't just ask Him for that. The reason we're asking is that even His provision of us is for His glory. Even His provision of us is for a people to see, wow, these people don't go around like the rest of the world does, stepping on and, and fearing and, and doing all of this. These people actually believe that the hidden God, real God, He's not hidden uh, he's only hidden for this time. But that the hidden God, the God that no one can see, they're following and trusting in His provision is part of His glory. But I want to say this as well. That it's not just for our needs to get met. That's not what prayer is simply all about. Our needs are part of the package. And God delights in you as His son and His daughter to provide for every single one of your needs. But God provides for our needs and longs to bless us. But we're not simply just to pray for me, my, and I. That's not the way it ever was. Or intended to be. It was in order that Jesus would be glorified in every single nation. That God would be glorified. God said, I bless you, Abraham, so that you can be a blessing. And that every nation can know me. God blesses us in order to be a blessing to others. Because life is not simply about our comfort. But it's about God's glory. My comfort will ultimately come. I'll ultimately become comforted when God is glorified. But if I'm seeking and desiring my own comfort simply for me, it's not going to be sufficient. We're going to need another Lego thing in order to make us happy, which won't truly make us happy. John Piper says this in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad. Prayer is primarily a wartime walkie-talkie for the mission of the church as it advances against the powers of darkness and unbelief. It is, not, it, it is not surprising that prayer malfunctions when we try to make it a domestic intercom to call upstairs for more comforts in the den. Until you know that life is war, you cannot know what prayer is for. Prayer is for the accomplishment of a wartime mission. Now the reality here is that God loves you and you, He is your Father if you receive Christ. And you're going to have all eternity to revel in that fact. And you have all time on earth to revel in that fact. But there, we are in a war day. We are between spiritual D-Day and spiritual B-Day. D-Day. The Allies came to Normandy Beach and they stormed it and they got a foothold. Right? And essentially the war was over at that time. But there were a lot of people killed and there was a lot of battle going on between D-Day and May something 1945 uh, in Germany. <laughs> Where uh, in Potsdam, Germany, when that was signed and finished, we are we are between 
Uh, Jesus has won the victory, absolutely. But there's a war going on until the consummation of the finish of all things for the souls of men and of women. Yes, Jesus wins. But there's a lot of people, there's still a battle going on. It's done, it is settled. There is no way the devil's going to win. Absolutely no way. I, don't, I can fall dead right here before you. The devil's not going to win. Everybody can tell you, God's bad. The devil's not going to win. But, something very important for us to realize is that we're still between spiritual D-Day and spiritual V-Day. The victory is assured. We are, the enemy is now on his heels. Right? But boy, he can, he can destroy some lives and he wants to take lives with him in eternity. Again, let's look at John 17, 9 through 19. So the Jesus way of prayer is, is to the Father and it's for God's glory. Let's look at 17, 9 through 19. I pray for them. Not, I am not praying for the world, but for those you've given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. And I'm going to skip over the last portion of that and go to 15 here. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they truly may be sanctified. The Jesus way of prayer is first for believers and for his disciples. For the ones that he that have said yes to the call of Jesus. Jesus did not pray first. He didn't pray first. For those who didn't know him, he prayed first for those who were following him that they would overcome. This is the Jesus way of prayer. In Hebrews 7 14, it speaks and says that Jesus always lives to intercede for us. I said that last week that Jesus is before the Father, and he is, he is before the Father, and he is pleading on our behalf. Not because the Father doesn't want to give it to us, because the Father does want to give it to us. And, and uh, you know, it's kind of like me and Sarah or whatever else saying, shouldn't we do this for my son? Yes. It, it's not like he's twisting the father's arm. He's coming before the father and the father's agreeing. But you know what? It doesn't come to earth until Jesus finds a vessel who prays his prayer before the father while they're on earth. We are on earth. It comes to earth when that prayer is continually going on before the father by Jesus. He's praying right now for you. He's praying right now for me. How does he do that? I don't know. He's gone. I don't know. And that's not even a question to answer, really. But he's praying for us. When we connect with that prayer, we say, Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Man, oh man alive. Then the, we're confident of his grace, you know, and it just, it just comes on out. Well, let me... Say a few things here, goodness. Jesus prayed for those who believed in His name. Not that they'd be taken out of the world. You know, we're not just, it's not just let's, let's hold up here, you know, in this little holy huddle until we die. You know, let's just survive and make it. I'm not in this Christian life just to survive to the end and not do anything really majorly terrible. 
I am in the Christian life, oh, because Jesus called me. But I am in this life in order to let my life be, as Jim Elliott, the missionary martyr in Ecuador said, Lord, light these idle sticks of my life and may I burn up for you. I ask not for a long life, but for a full life, like you, Lord Jesus. I want a full life that plunders hell, that populates heaven. I want my life to make a difference. You want your life to make a difference. How are you going to make a difference? Pray to your Father who is unseen and receive His love. Pray for His glory. Don't just pray for you. Pray for His kingdom to come in the earth. And pray for believers. Jesus prayed that His disciples would be protected from the evil one because He knew there was a spiritual battle raging. There is a spiritual battle raging in Boston. I don't care how secular our environment is. It's just as spiritual as it is among the witch doctors in Africa. It's just as spiritual. If you can turn your eyes from it, you can say, I don't like the concept of that. But it's just as spiritual. The demonic assignment on this city to take and to literally take a group of men and women straight to hell. Because Satan will not win this battle. But he's going for souls. Should Satan be going for souls stronger than we're going for souls? I think he is sometimes. Because I think we don't really think there's a battle going on. We just want to kind of get through life and do okay. Oh, what's your will for me, God? What's your will? He really cares. But you know what his will is? That hundreds and thousands of people would come to Jesus through your life. Because you're already going to just live in an ecstasy of glory. Knowing his father's love for the rest of your life. For the rest of eternity. But they will be in excruciating agony. Separated from God apart from his grace. God wants to show us. There's a spiritual battle raising. There's a Christian novel in the 1980's called This Present Darkness. Mark, you could remember that. All those older than 45. But it was about a, a fictional town of Ashland. And I believe it was Ashton. Ashton. And this fictional town, I'm not going to go into the details, but what it did was uh, this novel by Frank Peretti showed what was going on. It was a story about a town and what was going on. But then it, it took every once in a while a step back and showed the demonic and the angelic forces and how they were working in response to the prayers of God's people. And man, it touched my heart. It touched my heart deeply what God has done and, and what God was doing through that. And the reality is there is a real spiritual battle going on and God is really uh, going to do something. Though the story was fictional, it gave a glimpse behind the scenes of this thing. We don't pray because oftentimes in intercession we don't think there's a real battle going on. And uh, I'm here to tell you there's a battle going on for our city today. There's an intense battle going on for our city we don't war with anger and in the way that the world does. We war in prayer. There's a war going on for our nation and prayer is the key to seeing this battle won. It's vitally important that we pray for each other as believers. It's important for this spiritual work. And I just want to say this. When we pray for each other, there are casualties at times that come. No one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. But there are many... Uh, many wounds, many casualties that happen as a result of the enemy, the devil. He is real. I'm not afraid of the devil. I fear God. 
But I am aware that he is around and desiring to destroy. And that is why I pray for my brothers and sisters in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, protect them what? Give them good lives, give them nice homes, give them good jobs. No, protect them from the evil one. Don't take them out of the world. Make them powerful in the world. So prayer for that. And the last thing I'll say is the Jesus way of prayer is not only for the disciples. Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone. John 17, 20. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. The Jesus way of prayer is for those who do not yet know Jesus. Jesus prayed for his followers, but he didn't stop there. He had a purpose for leaving these followers on earth. And it was in order to seek and to save those who were lost, as Jesus called it. Those who did not know the love of Jesus. He reached out in prayer for those who didn't have a relationship. You know, there is no amount of thinking, there is no amount of doing apart from prayer that will change the spiritual tone of our city. It's not going to change it. That's what we're looking for. A change in the atmosphere of our city. I'm looking for that. God is up the ante with me. I'm praying. Uh, I, I, I'm not praying more because I feel like it makes me a better person. I'm not praying more because I feel like God's upset with me. I'm praying more because I want to see His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't care how difficult the city is that we live in. The ability of God to melt a mountain like wax is incredible. This mountain's going to melt. And the lost are going to get saved and percentages are going to change in our city. Literally, the 1%, 5%, 10%, 20%, 30%. God, give us souls or we die, as the saints have said of old. We're believing in faith, not just for a few, but we're believing that the Jesus way of prayer, by praying to the Father, by praying for His glory, by praying for each other, and by praying for those who don't know Jesus, We'll see God's kingdom come and Boston become again the source of blessing for our nation that it's intended to be. Let's stand as the worship band will come and let's pray.